Hello, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, good morning. Um, it is episode 110 of the How to Code Well podcast, and today's date is the 15th of uh, July. We are smashing through this year. Uh, it's, and today we're talking about Microsoft, and we're talking about uh, What If. Now, the the idea was given to me by... You know the Marvel series, the what ifs, the sort of the the experiments into the realms of what if a decision was made, that kind of stuff. We're going to focus on Microsoft and we're going to focus on what if uh, something was to happen with Microsoft, what would happen in the developer's space. And we're going to pull from a, a few pieces of knowledge that we're aware of at the moment in terms of what they're doing in the development world. We're just going to have some fun with it. We're just going to have some fun with it. A lot of these predictions probably won't come true. We're just going to play around with some ideas as to what if they were to do this? What if they were to do that? That kind of stuff. In my opinion, and this is all my opinion, okay? This is all my opinion. Um, Microsoft is in a place at the moment where developers, regardless of what you're developing should be very aware of of what they're going to be doing in the next five to ten years. Because of the previous acquisitions that they've made, be, because of the things that they, they own and now influence. And we're going to compare Microsoft to Apple. <laughs> So before we get into that that uh, that ride, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. So I've got um, a couple of things here. So next week I'm doing a social media blackout. It's between the 18th and the 25th. I won't be on Twitter. I won't be on YouTube. I won't be doing a podcast. Um, I won't be on Rumble. I won't be on Odyssey. Uh, I am just coming off of social media for that week. Uh, I do this sort of once a year and uh, I chose uh, randomly next week to do it. And um, I will just be back answering direct messages, answering YouTube comments in the following week. Uh, so that means in terms of the live streams, the next live stream will be on the 27th. Um, so I'll be live streaming as normal on Twitch this Sunday, but then on the 20 and then that's it until the 27th. Um, OK, so the next one is. um just some just some stuff uh, regarding like some ideas that I've got with the How to Code Well podcast. I probably let's not talk about those yet. Let me. I put these down in the show notes, but maybe we'll wait until I come back because that would give me a little bit more time to formulate those ideas. Um, I think so. Yeah, let's let's come off of this. This is of course live, right? So if anybody wants to uh, have any suggestions, comments, or queries, then please put them down in the show notes and in the comments here in the chat and I'll get to them. Um, I was considering, uh, yeah, yeah, let's not, let's not talk about that. Okay. So let's move on to the Microsoft. Um, I have multiple titles for this. One is Microsoft for developers because I want this to be centered around developers, but actually I think what we could do maybe in the future is have this as an ongoing sort of series of what ifs, uh, around ver and, and pick on various different companies um, in the future. This time I'm focusing on Microsoft because I'm very intrigued as to what they, that what their intentions are 
with all the things that they've purchased. Now, I'm going to start this by saying um, that uh, when I was when I was at school, when I was at um, you would say high school, uh, I studied business studies, and my I think I've said this before. My business studies teacher gave me some super advice. One of those pieces of advice that has just stuck with me. Um, for all these years. And that piece of advice was the software sells the hardware. What does that mean? Well, when you purchase, uh, when you play a computer game, you're playing the software. You're not playing the hardware. You don't buy a computer console because you like the look of the computer console. You buy the computer console because of the games, the software that you want to play. Um, so, for instance, if your favorite game is on an Xbox, then you will more than likely buy an Xbox over a PlayStation or vice versa. So that's where the software is selling the hardware. This is why a lot of companies make losses on their hardware, because they know they'll, they'll, um, they'll, it's an investment, because they're, they're actually... That is the, 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 the gateway drug, if you will, into their software. So they'll, they, and that's why the software in some cases is so expensive because they know that people will purchase that software. Um, that uh, in terms of computer games, they know that if they can get someone hooked on a particular title and that title has maybe a set of releases, say like if it was in season one, season two, or, you know, um, a different a different version of of that game you can tell i'm not a gamer right um but the, you know you're, you're you're creating a fan base and your that fan base is because of the software not of the hardware let's talk about apple let's talk about apple so apple has an ecosystem um which is sometimes called the walled garden okay so basically, each time you purchase an Apple product, your garden grows. So, for for instance, there are there are many Apple accessories, and by accessories I mean the headphones, I mean the HomePod, I mean um, I mean the chargers, I mean the dongles, I mean all the things that you have to plug in to or connect to an actual Apple device. I see the Apple ecosystem actually less of a garden and more of a tree in the sense that you have this massive trunk um, and that trunk has a lot of thick branches hanging off of it. And those branches are, say, your your iMac, your MacBook Pro, your um, your iPad, and then from that, you have little twigs, and those twigs have little leaves, and those leaves are the are the accessories. Your your AirPods, your um, your your dongles, your your very expensive MacBook chargers, your your uh, sixty five watt Apple chargers that uh, I I've purchased one from Apple before, and it was like eighty five pounds. It was ridiculous. So those kind of things. Now, those are, in my opinion, the leaves around the branches. And on their own, they're useless. They're pretty ridiculous. I mean, why would you buy some AirPods if you don't have the branch 
to hang that AirPod off of. So if you don't have an iPhone, if you don't have uh, a MacBook, uh, an iMac or something like that, something to, that actually utilizes um, that, uh, that, that accessory. So yes, you can use, you can use AirPods, sure, with Android, fine, but you're missing out a huge amount because it's not an Apple device, because it's not attached to an Apple device. So what I'm saying is these leaves by themselves are actually quite uh, ridiculous and worthless, but when they're attached to the branch that is the Apple uh, product, which then feeds into the Apple Apple trunk, the ecosystem, if you will. And when you start adding more and more devices to this, it becomes more fulfilled and um, bountiful and things start working better together. These are like little hooks, right? The little hooks that uh, you buy one Apple device and it's okay. You buy another Apple device, and not only does that Apple device work better, but you're actually making the previous Apple device better as well by having it. So you're hooking yourself in. You are, again, creating this walled garden, and the garden would grow every time you buy a device. And it, it, it becomes increasingly difficult to, to move away from the Apple ecosystem. The further in you are, the more difficult it is to get out. Okay. And what I've said here in my notes is that trying to leave the garden is very difficult. When you purchase a non-Apple product, your garden gets weeds. So I was using the the, the garden analogy there rather than the trunk thing. Um, And those weeds are compatibility issues. So for example, for example, I have a pair of um, AirPods, right? And they work incredibly well with my iPhone. They work incredibly well with my um, MacBook Pro. I just literally go up to them, open up the uh, open up the case, and I'm connected. Boom. Let's say, for example, I decided to move away from an iPhone and get an Android device. Well, the AirPods would still work with the MacBook Pro, but they would work less uh, with the Android device because there are certain features that Android just can't hook into. So, and, and these features, these, these hooks, they are the software. They are the software. Apple has done an incredibly good job at making the, creating this uh, ecosystem glued together by software because they know that software sells the hardware. And also we can go one step further and say there is this thing called a lock-in. This is just a term that I've been thinking about. So this is where you are so locked into the heart. Sorry, you're so locked into the software that you never want to leave. So, for example, one great example here is um, is uh, the 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 suite. I forget what it's called. It's it's that media suite in. Um, uh, it's not. I want to say front page. It's not front page. It's definitely not that. It's the uh, it's the Adobe. It's the Apple version of Adobe. Uh, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But anyway, if you're if you're on that and you are a video editor and that's all you know, then the next um, p- computer that you're going to buy is that because you cannot use that software on any other device apart from an Apple device. And interestingly, Apple has actually allowed Adobe to be used on their platform because they know 
that there's a lot of Windows people who use Windows, Microsoft, with Adobe, and that's their pull-in to, that's their hook into the Apple ecosystem because, uh, yes, they might be alien to, to the actual operating system, to the, to the device, but, but once they open up, oh, I've forgotten what it's called, uh, uh, Final Cut, Final Cut, and once they open Final Cut, Final Cut will look exactly like it does on the Windows machine or similar to, they will feel comfortable, that tr- transition becomes, uh, sorry, it's Adobe, <laughs> but the other one was Final Cut. As soon as they open Adobe on on um, on a Mac, it's going to look very similar to Adobe on a Windows machine. Therefore, the transition becomes a lot easier. Um, however, they don't allow you to use Final Cut on other operating systems. They they know that they they are they've locked you in. That's the lock in. That's the lock in. Okay. So if you're if you've if you've used Final Cut for the previous five years, then I guarantee you, you're, you're going to be using Final Cut on a Mac for the next three years, which means you're probably going to buy the next device you're going to buy will be an Apple product because of that lock-in. Okay. Okay. So then I've got in my notes, some examples here. So when you, yeah, when you replace your iPhone to your Android phone, you, what you're doing is you're removing one of those branches from that tree and it becomes incredibly difficult to, uh, to use things such as airdrop. I've added here, um, instant Bluetooth connection, iCloud storage, all of that stuff that you just simply rely on and know that it just works in the Apple ecosystem. That's why it becomes incredibly difficult to leave uh, that Apple ecosystem. Um, each Apple product hooks into another Apple product, and by doing so, the Apple devices become much better. Not only the device that you've just purchased, but all of your devices gets an upgrade. Um, get, you know, these notes that I wrote here, I wrote these notes yesterday, and then I updated them today on my iPhone. So I, I created these notes yesterday on my Mac. Mac Mini last night, and then on my lunch break today, I just opened up the the Notes app on my phone. It completely synced over, and I was just doing it like a text message. You know, you to do that on an Android device with a, a with a MacBook Pro is going to be quite tricky. There's going to be hoops that you have to jump through to do that. Whereas the Apple ecosystem makes it far more simpler to do. We will get to Microsoft, I promise. So as I mentioned, my business, uh, my, um, <laughs> in my school, my business studies teacher uh, once told me that software sells the hardware. And this is still true today, as I've just dis- discussed. Uh, you wouldn't buy a game console unless it had a set of great games to play. Um, and also going back to that lock-in thing, if they release a new, a, 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 the next version of the title, if they release the next version of the title on the next iteration of the hardware of the console, then you're more likely, and you're, you're a fan of that title, you're more likely to upgrade in that space because that title is available only on the next version. Only on the next version. This is, they've done this before with, say, Halo. You know, all, you know they get Halo 1, 2, 3, and then you can only get the next version of Halo on the, on the upgraded um Xbox because it relies on the, the the latest hardware, but you wouldn't think about going to say a PlayStation if that's if if your budget could only 
give you one console, you're going to choose the console that has the games that you want to play and have played before and are used to. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, so with Apple, uh, they've gone a few steps further. You wouldn't buy Apple AirPods unless you have an iPhone or a computer, or an Apple computer, sure. Um, But the glue that hooks the devices together is the software, as I've mentioned. If the software started to suck, then you wouldn't buy the AirPods. So if, for instance, there was a bug in, in the connectivity of uh, of where I just walk, like I mentioned I just walk up to my MacBook Pro and then I open the case and then suddenly it's I'm connected to it without me having to I don't actually have to touch a button I am just connected if that started to fail then I would be less likely to want to buy another set of AirPods if my AirPods were lost or broken right because now I rely on that ease of use so much I'm more likely to stay in the ecosystem because of it Okay, so um, in the in software engineering world, this is where we get onto the Microsoft parts. So in the software engineering world, Microsoft has made some big acquisitions um, and are well placed to becoming the one stop shop for software development. Now I know that's a massive statement, but let me just read off a couple of things of the things that they have. So they have VS Code, they have TypeScript, they have GitHub. They have LinkedIn, they have WSL, they have Teams, they have Azure, and the list goes on and on and on. Now, all of this, what I've just said here, all this big list is software. It's just all software, right? Obviously, VS Code, GitHub, LinkedIn, it's all software. Granted, a lot of this software is software that you would you would you can only run on the web, right? So a website being a LinkedIn. There's yes, there's a the LinkedIn mobile app. But if you want to actually access LinkedIn on, say, a device like a, a, a Windows laptop, you would probably go to the website rather than use a web app. Okay. So now we're going to start talking about these what ifs. And we're going to, with the, with the foundations of what I've just discussed about software selling the hardware and what I've just discussed about the Apple ecosystem, we're going to basically... Think of what Microsoft could do, knowing that Microsoft has has gained a lot of space within the developer world and have, I think, turned a lot of frowns upside down in terms of their treatment of the open source community. They are now big sponsors of the open source community, Um, and we'll get more into that in just a second, but they have a lot of tools and a lot of tools that we all rely on regardless of what you're developing whether you're developing .net or whether you're 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 uh, developing um an iOS thing you know they have a lot of tools that we all all rely on okay so here we go we're going to get into a bunch of what ifs i'm just going to grab a slip of tea mm. side note so today i did uh, a run with murphy in the morning uh, and then I also did uh, not a not a class as such, but I've got an exercise bike that I span the legs on. So I am I'm thirsty. <laughs> I am thirsty. So anyway, let's get into the Apple. Uh, sorry, let's get into the what ifs. So what if VS Code was more integrated with GitHub? Okay, any new features of GitHub could be replicated in VS Code. What if Copilot? 
was integrated into VS Code. What if, what if GitHub ticket management was integrated? And when I say integrated, I mean just already there. What if get, get the GitHub ticket management was in VS Code? So you didn't actually need to go to the GitHub website. You could just deal with the ticket management. And they also have, which is very interesting, what the, where they're going with GitHub, regardless of Copilot and whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing. But with GitHub, they now have GitHub projects. You can now use like almost Kanban board. Well, yeah, you can use Kanban boards. You can use GitHub ticket management in a in a more of an agile kind of manner. You know, project management you can use in GitHub. That is that is an interesting that is an interesting world. And whenever I think of project management, I immediately go to Atlatazan. So you've got the Jira suite, you've got Jira, Confluence, Bitbucket. What if what if VS Code was the driver for project for 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 this kind of suite what if what if what we're talking about here is a suite of highly integrated connected tools that Microsoft now own and what if you had a developer account from Microsoft and with that developer account you could do all sorts of these wonderful integrations that we're going to be talking about or not so wonderful integrations depending on where you where you sit so okay so we we've talked about copilot being uh, highly integrated into github uh, sorry into vs code and we've talked about ticket management and we've talked about project management being into github code um so what if we go one step further and vs code becomes the front end of github uh cringy i know but let's just let's just think about this if it was project management if you were able to connect tickets to bugs okay if you could connect um uh tickets to uh notes and we'll get on to the noting thing in a minute so i'm thinking of let's say for instance um this becomes an alatazan competitor this suite of tools becomes an alatazan competitor so you've got your jiro confluence uh, bitbucket and many many more and we haven't even we haven't even scratched the surface of what microsoft have acquired okay so let's talk about teams let's talk about microsoft teams so what if microsoft teams had better integration with vs code Imagine a multi-user pair programming feature to discuss pull requests from GitHub within VS Code. You didn't have to leave VS Code to talk to someone via Teams about a PR in GitHub. How incredible would that be? That would be amazing. I know that they have um I forget what it's called. It's like a team share thing, uh, uh, sorry, a, a a share tool in VS Code already, which is great. Um, but imagine if that was sort of, you know, ramped up a bit and integrated, highly integrated into Microsoft Teams. That would be amazing. Now, I'm not a fan of Microsoft Teams. I'm not a fan of VS Code. I'm not a fan of all sorts of Microsoft products. But 
what we're doing is we're we're just playing with the idea of because because I work with PHP and because I I work mostly on Macs. Um, but biases aside, let's just play with this idea for for, for today. I think this is really quite an interesting. Uh, topic of you know what if you can see you can see this like uh, i like to see this like a, a puzzle you know or the puzzle uh, where you've got one piece missing and the picture is all messed up and you have to move little blocks of of your image to make the bigger image and you do it a small block at a time and you can see companies businesses um platforms doing this with their tools they're just moving their tools a little bit closer to the other tool and then suddenly there's a connection i like that i like that okay so um imagine that uh we had webhooks like you have in slack but in teams regarding your system so when someone does a deployment that automatically gets sent to microsoft teams i don't know if you can do it already Possibly, I don't know. Um, I know that you can definitely do it with Slack. You can definitely do it with Discord as well. But imagine if you could do it, hook hook it in. Imagine if you could log in to a Microsoft developer account and it knows your organization. It knows your GitHub issues. It knows your GitHub project management. So your organization. And it just says, yeah, I want to make this team. These are my developers. Uh, These are the project... um, uh, managers, blah, blah, blah. These are, this is the organization and we'll move on to organization in just a minute when we talk about LinkedIn. Um, but it, but by logging into your developer account, um, your business account, you, you, you end up building this suite of tools that all are highly integrated and coupled together. Um, yes, you can use them individually, but going back to what we were talking about with Apple, they work better together. They work better together. Okay, so uh, we've discussed the pair programming and the Slack hooks. Okay, so what hap- What if GitHub Actions were tightly coupled with Azure for cloud-based testing and builds? So one thing that was announced on the Apple um, WWDC or whatever it's called, um, the, the the developer in the comment in the in the quote um, conference, the developer conference last last time was. They were going to bring out, or they they will bring out a a Jenkins esque build tool for um, iOS for uh, for Xcode, and so you could you can build and test in the cloud your application, and it would go through their servers and do all their things. Well, guess who else has got servers and cloud computing? Microsoft, and guess what what um. What they also have, they have source control, they have teams, they have VS code. What if they were all brought together? And what if your business account, which we're going to be talking about more, I suppose, when we get to LinkedIn, what if your business account allowed you to have uh, a level of, um, of, of testing, automated testing, you know, these are the amount of builds per hour, that kind of thing. Um, a bit like Circle CI, maybe where it's timed builds or something. I don't know. Um, uh, and 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 it was highly integrated, like I mentioned, into VS Code. So it was like a one-click deployment. That would 
run into your GitHub Actions. Um, so that would run a GitHub Actions pipeline, a workflow. And then, as I mentioned, it would be tightly coupled to uh, Microsoft Teams. And therefore, your team would be um, aware of the state of, uh, of the build. Sounds reasonable, I think. Okay, so... Imagine triggering this via a GitHub action within VS Code and seeing the pipeline. So uh, Jenkins, if you haven't used Jenkins before, there's this there's this great plugin. I'm trying to remember it. What the name is? I think it's Blue Ocean, and it shows you a lovely pipeline. In fact, GitHub Actions shows you a lovely pipeline. Imagine if you could see that within VS Code. Now I know I'm picking on VS Code a lot, but guess what VS Code is compared to GitHub? VS Code is an application that you run on hardware. It's not in a brow. It, it's not a browser. It's not a website. It's not a website. It's an Electron app. And as I mentioned, the software sells the hardware. You see where I'm going with this? Okay. So the next thing, um, uh, imagine, uh, yes. So imagine if your VS Code, um, yeah. Imagine if VS Code was was essentially the front end of Microsoft's Jenkins. <laughs> that would be awesome, wouldn't it? That would be awesome. Um, okay, what if you could post uh, GitHub op um, open source con uh, contributions to LinkedIn and imagine if this was gamified. Now, this is a bit of a cringy one, but um, this is bringing in LinkedIn into the mix here. So this is, you know, with GitHub where you you can create in your profile, you can gain badges, badges of honor if you're a developer and you, you do, you, you um, contribute to certain things or you do certain challenges or whatever. Imagine if they were integrated into LinkedIn. So imagine your LinkedIn profile could read your GitHub profile and let everybody know on Microsoft's social network what kind of software you're working on and how many commits you've done, you know, share to LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. That would be so, so cool. If your, if your LinkedIn account could basically be your real time, um, software development career story, <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be amazing. I think, um, and you would do badges. You would have badges that, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've um, contributed to the documentation of this huge project. So this is a badge. Well done. Um, share it to LinkedIn. Okay. So talking about LinkedIn, what if LinkedIn had features such as um, sort of like a forum where you could talk about a specific, I know that they've got LinkedIn groups, but some form of like mailing list, shall we say? Yeah. Let's call it a mailing list. Every project has a mailing list. What if LinkedIn was to create a mailing list feature to allow projects from GitHub developed on VS code to be hooked in? And then you, what you would do is if you have contributed to an open source project and you did so through your Microsoft developer account. Again, this is all fictitious. This is all just coming out of my brain. What if uh, LinkedIn was aware 
of those contributions to that particular project and then asked you if you wanted to be part of the LinkedIn mailing list for that particular project. Oh, now we're talking about some really interesting integration here. Um, I think that would be that would be an interesting world. I think that would be a very interesting world. So that would move people away from emails and you would have to use LinkedIn, LinkedIn to get notified on certain things in terms of the mailing list of a open source thing. And LinkedIn would via GitHub know what you're contributing to and therefore would offer you the groups or the mailing lists to, uh, to connect to. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, Let's talk about LinkedIn a little bit more. <laughs> what if LinkedIn became the medium for developers? So LinkedIn became the blog space for uh, developers. So whenever you search for something, if you get a medium post, normally what happens is it gives you a counter to say that because you, are, you haven't signed up for it, um, you can only read X amount of articles and all of that stuff. And there was a big hoo-ha about that. But that's an interesting business model and one that Microsoft could do um, with LinkedIn to have a sort of a LinkedIn pro account. And that could be, be hooked into the dev to the this fictitious developer Microsoft account that we've, we've been talking about. You know, like if you're not a Microsoft developer, then you can only read these, these link, the a couple of LinkedIn accounts um, uh, stroke medium posts uh, per month. But if you are a Microsoft developer, um, then you could actually read the whole lot. I think that would be an interesting, interesting world too. Um, probably, I say interesting, it would be a pain in the ass because you would, there would be a lot of, there would be a lot of these blog posts that you, as a, as a non-Microsoft dev, you wouldn't find, you, you wouldn't be able to read. That would be very annoying. Um, but Interesting nonetheless. We're just playing. We're just playing with some ideas. We're just playing with some ideas. So next on my list is, um, yes, so if, if LinkedIn turned into a better blogging platform with the emphasis on things like um, connecting to GitHub issues. So if you were to write a blog article and you wanted to use a gist within your blog article, you could do so through LinkedIn. You could search for gists through LinkedIn because it's in the Microsoft developer space. <coughs> Let me grab a drink. I've added um, the Jenkins tool here twice. So what if Microsoft built a cloud-based Jenkins tool specifically for Microsoft users and hook that into VS Code? We've mentioned that. We've mentioned that before. Okay, the next one then is what if, uh, oh, this one's a biggie. Uh, <laughs> What if Microsoft, because, okay, maybe I won't do that until the end. What if, yeah, okay. So, okay, I've got two more. We'll do this one first. What if Microsoft had a developer account like Apple? So I've mentioned developer accounts for Microsoft. What, and, and Apple has one. And Apple has one. And the reason why people have Apple developer accounts is because of iOS, because of their apps, right? Because of their apps. Um, they go through and, and we're told that because of our developer uh, accounts, we have um, we're able to use their uh, app store and all of that. Again, that is software um, and we can host the apps on their servers. 
And uh, we're told that in the future that we can use um, their uh, their Jenkins-like uh, t- cloud-based testing uh, tool. What if Microsoft did had something like that? Uh, what if Microsoft had something like that, which allowed for certain levels of Azure access um, and had tight integration, um, the integration that I've mentioned earlier uh, with between between the service servers services uh, you, your um, your developer account would become more like your Atlatazan account so you would be able to log in and all of the the suite of tools that you that Microsoft have depending on your package <laughs> um, would be integrated together so for instance uh, with like I mentioned uh, with with Jira and um, Bitbucket, you can connect the two together, and you can you can uh, say that this bug, this this thing, it relates to this commit, uh, and that is a very nice piece of communi- collaboration there. But what if Microsoft did this with GitHub, LinkedIn, Microsoft Teams, VS Code, um, and and all the other bits and pieces that they have, GitHub and and so forth. Um. Okay, so now we need to talk about hardware, don't we? Because we've talked a lot about the software. What happen, What does? What piece of hardware does Microsoft have? Um, the best thing, I suppose. Well, one area of one market that Microsoft have has certainly tried to get into and has failed, but it's still available. And because they're making bridges into the um, open source space, especially with WSL and and uh, allowing and and essentially hosting the source code of huge amounts of open source software. This, after saying that, this seems less crazy, but I know how crazy this sounds. What if there was a collaboration between Microsoft and some Linux distribution to make a mobile phone? Now, I know that sounds completely off the wall, completely crazy, but let's just hear me out. We've just talked about some of the what-ifs of the tight integration between the the services that Microsoft offers for developers. Let's just play with this idea for a minute. So what if Microsoft was able to provide the hardware? And as I've mentioned, a lot of companies, they provide hardware um, at a loss because they know that the that uh, it's going to be the software that sells the hardware, and in this case, it's going to be it's going to be developer subscriptions. So subscribing to some sort of software as a service that allows for all of this integration um, using some dev- Microsoft developer suite. And I know that sounds bonkers because you've got open source software which is free and you know available to anybody. And then I'm talking about a developer license, essentially, to license your software. And you're using your, uh, well, it's not to license your software. It's the license that you have uh, that allows you to use the tools that Microsoft offer. And the best thing that, um, that, in my opinion, that Apple provide for their Apple developers is their App Store. So what if Microsoft was able to build an app store for Linux? Whoa, that just blew my mind. Just imagine that for a minute. What if Microsoft was able to pull this off? That would be 
mind-boggling. I do feel in some spaces that, in some cases, that Apple has become a little bit too big for its boots. And it needs to be taken down a notch, or several in some cases. And I think the only way to do that is via competition. And if in some weird multiverse, Microsoft is the go-to for developers, not just to, to, to any randomer, any public user, to developers, to coders. If, if you wanted to build something, if Microsoft was able to give you the tools that were highly integrated, that just made thing, your life a lot easier, then wouldn't you go for it? Wouldn't that make sense? <laughs> uh, it's a, it's a, certainly an interesting interesting one. Um, and I, I think that maybe, I mean, that's a space that they could carve out. I mean, there, there's a lot of things going on with Linux and mobile phones, um, creating Linux-based operating systems and having their own app stores and stuff. Microsoft has a lot of weight against uh, behind it. Microsoft could actually do something well, and they are they have already um, had experience in the hardware space from mobile phones such as Nokia and Lumia and and so on. So it sounds completely batshit off the wall to even consider this, but actually, if you break it down, there isn't many steps away. I don't think from this it's going to be super interesting to see where they're going to position themselves with all of this uh develop all the developer tools that they have it's going to be interesting i want it's it's almost like a big chess match and i wonder what piece they're going to play next it's going to be interesting anyway i've spoken for too long uh thank you ever so much for watching this is going out obviously next week on friday and tomorrow, which is Friday, we have uh, episode 109 that's coming out. That'll be on the podcast. So for those that don't aren't aware, this is there is an audio version of this that it, you can get on uh, uh, Spotify and iTunes and, and wherever you, you get your podcast players, uh, podcast from. Just search for How to Code Well. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everyone. And um, let's do this again sometime because I, I, I like to fall down these rabbit holes and think about what if, what if something was, what if Microsoft bought another thing? What, would, what does that mean? And where are they going to go with it? Interesting. Hmm. Thank you ever so much for watching. Happy coding, everyone. Take care and have a great re rest of your week. Cheers. Bye-bye.